Tommy, how are you? I'm good, Mr. Finley. How are you doing there, Josephus? Uh, Josephus, I'm, I'm fine, man. I'm fine. Good, we're, good. Um, we're doing a little podcast in the rain here. Yeah, folks well, can hear the rain in the background. Yeah, well, we're not in the rain directly. There is a roof in betwixt. Although it would be hilarious to get just a little leak in here and maybe to play with some electrical shock. And to see Tom electrocuted, boy, that uh, skeleton. <laughs> yes. Tom's got good bones. Oh, man. Somewhere. Yep. I keep um, well hidden, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, welcome to Finley's. You got to start? Fuck. Um, I don't know. Do you have a start? Yeah, Let's I got nothing, that. man. I got you nothing. Know, okay. You promised to surprise me. Let me ask you this. I got you. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I will later Please. on. Don't worry. Yeah. The question is this. Okay. Uh, is there anybody else, any other director than the one we're going to be talking about today, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Otto Preminger, mm-hmm. is there any other director more heavily associated with noir? Than Otto Preminger. Well, I see. Um, <coughs> you probably want a quick answer, but here's my thought on it: is that um, I mean, maybe Jules Dessin, but maybe okay. I mean maybe, but maybe Wilder. Sometimes I think the thing with noir is that the, the nature of most noir, most noir is not um, double indemnity, right? Or the or the first one we're going to do tonight. Most noir is B. Movie. So, so yeah. the directors are kind of like apt not to be known. Is my thinking of it. But, sure. but I think the point you're driving toward is probably a good one. Well, that like some of the greatest. Oh no, wrong. What? Oh no. Some of the greatest noir ever made was made by Otto Preminger. That's interesting. I think Wilder has done a couple as well, but um, without naming our first film, name some others. <clears throat> oh, um, sure. Uh, Anatomy, Anatomy of a Murder, noir? right off the top. <clears throat> oh fuck yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, it's considered noir. It's one of the great classic noirs of all time. Who, Man I mean, with do, the you on, do you have this on some authority, or you, is this just your view? Which is fine. no, I have it on authority. I couldn't hmm. tell you exactly where. I read it in several different places, I mean, and like I've a, heard it always. A courtroom drama, probably. Well, it is a courtroom drama, but it has all the qualities of good noir in, in its going on at the same time. Mm. So it's, it's one of those things where noir sometimes is a little bit, you know, when it when it when it breaks away from the strictly gangsterish, yeah, you know, like the killing or something like that. When it breaks away from that and, and it takes those it takes the elements of it, but but kind of shifts them around. Yeah, that's where noir gets a little watery. All right. Well, see, to me, yeah, I know it's it's sort of like. Um, you know, classical music, I remember taking a music class and classical music was defined. It had seven definitions and the seventh was sounds associated with classical music. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, noir right. is a little bit like that. I, I right. grant you that. But it's a sense and a feeling in some sense. Yeah, some of the things to me, for instance, was like, I, I wouldn't say cheesy dialogue because no no sort of genre intentionally, I think, has cheesy dialogue. But it does have a, a particular pacing and banter mm-hmm. that I don't think Anatomy of a Murder has. Mm-hmm. It isn't. Um, prime. I mean, it, it, it certainly, in the sense of being a courtroom drama, it, it investigates in, and exposes things, but mm-hmm. it's not a, a typical sort of like, you know what I mean, like it's a detective story. True, but it does. Okay, but let's say noir. It does. It, it it hangs around with the lower elements of life. Like that's a big thing in the noir. You know, post World War Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the shittier elements. You know, and and no, no, nobody more so than in. Um, uh, anatomy of a murder. I don't even. I don't even follow you there. I couldn't disagree with you more. But go ahead. A fucking a, a wife beating sergeant who gets drunk. Well, as a guy from the military, I yeah. mean, I, I would say that the bartender in that that film. So we're talking about a film we're not even supposed to talk about tonight. But I don't care. Yeah, sure. Um, the bartender in the film comes the closest, right? But mm-hmm. but I mean, it's sort of like um, a, a two great legal minds. A judge, a DA who comes in, mm-hmm. the military guy who does beat his wife. It is, of course, 1959. So even that isn't like, 
I don't, I don't even follow you there. Hmm, okay. Well, all right. Well, go ahead. I'm, dude, I didn't write the fucking thing. I'm just going along with the, the common canonical Careful thought. Careful what you read. Fake news, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, Fake news. All right. Now, we're going to be set straight over here by courtroom drama okay, Larry. Listen, I, I don't, I don't, I'm intrigued by the concept mm-hmm. um, that Otto Preminger is one of the great noir directors. But other than that first film, I'm just not aware of any. And this, the one, other one you mentioned, I, I'm not quite in on it. Do you have a third example? Uh, man with a Golden Arm? Yeah, okay. That one I actually buy a lot more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say, okay. Well, it's more classic. It's definitely, yeah. It definitely follows it more classically. I, yeah. I remember reading somewhere, too, that Nora is also characterized by like, certain, like sort of fragile uh, main characters, lead, male lead characters. And I would say, in that sense, Anatomy of a Murder with Jimmy Stewart, the, the, kind, of the mm-hmm. sort of, kind of happy-go-lucky but going nowhere you know, lawyer might be, yeah. might, might fall into that a little. Yeah, okay. maybe. Now you but promised. Now are we stretching a point to call it a noir? Maybe at that point. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Now you promised. I think before we hit record here, you promised to bother me about something. Was this it, or is no, this the no, warm up? No, I, I had no idea. <laughs> I'm bothered already. Just loves to fucking argue for no goddamn no, reason. No. Okay, opinions fine. That aren't really mine, frankly. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Howsoever. Okay. No, I mean noir. I'll give. I grant you that. Uh, okay. Unlike our classic argument about. Um, what constitutes? I think it was science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Many episodes ago, oh, this boy. one I'm I'm, so, I'm I'm more willing to say, I don't quite agree with you, but we're that's because French we're, people like it too. So we're standing, <laughs> we're, for, we're standing on sort of flexible ground here, preposterous jackass. In terms of noir, I'm trying to agree with you, though. Uh-huh. Anyway, so so Otto so, Preminger. Otto Preminger. The first movie. The first movie we're talking about is. Is a great movie, but I wanted to sort of say about Otto Preminger. Otto Preminger, the first place I ever heard of him even was Mm -hmm. as a kid watching Stalag 17, where he did not direct the great Billy Wilder directed. That's right. A nor master, perhaps. Um, But Preminger played the camp commandant. Yes, he did. So we're talking, this is the first. Because he was an actor before he was a director. Like, that I, was did his, not, I didn't his know that. great love, yeah. I didn't know. Started off in, uh, started off in I want to say, Hungary, Austria, Hungary, Austria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, now. Uh, he ended up full. <clears throat> Nothing. So, God, so, you, thank <sighs> God you stopped everything for that joke. Oh, my gracious me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. wow. That was a great Woody Allen movie you just made there. I loved it, sir. Anyway, so, yeah, um, yeah no. So he started off as an actor. That was his yeah. first true love. Uh, he started off as an actor and uh, mm-hmm. worked with Max Reinhold, I think it was, in uh, in uh, Germany. Okay. Uh, not Germany, Austria. Uh, and he just sort of accidentally tripped and fell into uh, directing. He was looking for work. Didn't know any of he this. wanted to get away from Max Rein, uh, Max Reinhard. Sort yeah. of, uh, he was considered like part of his major acting crew, and mm-hmm. so he wanted to break away from that. And do it, but he, he found it very difficult to do that. And he ended up taking a directing film. He turned out to be a very fucking competent director. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's sort of interesting that that piece of knowledge that you've just put on the table because um, he also um, had a famously contemptuous relationship with actors. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't, wasn't like aware we're just, of that. We're bringing little different pieces of the. Are we the talking puzzle? about the same fucking person? <laughs> <laughs> the voice Blonde of Winnie hair. the Pooh, right? Blonde hair, right? <laughs> oh, shit. He became governor of California. Oh, lordy. All right. So, Otto Preminger, the first film, of course, is 1944's Laura. Laura. Laura has a, first of all, I think a lot of people who haven't seen Laura probably know the theme. Well, I would say that's that's my major approach. To, I, that's how I know it, first off. Yeah. I I had never seen the goddamn movie for, okay. for years. I've seen it twice now. One for this and one about three or four years ago. Before that, all mm-hmm. I knew was the song Laura. Yeah. And, when, and I remember watching the movie going, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. That's that song Laura. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
movie. I didn't realize that the movie had, of course, come first. The song came with it. Yeah. And then that song was taken out and basically made a jazz standard by fucking everybody. Everyone. Laura's a great song. Yeah, tremendous. Um, so, um, yeah, talk about a goddamn oh. movie. Okay, well, so this this film is interesting because um, I had a couple of clips of, of Preminger and I thought about sharing them, but then now that I'm thinking about it, like I'd rather... Um, I just do give you the information, and okay. then you give me say it in the voice of Preminger if you feel like it. Okay. So one of the things about, of stinks <laughs> about Preminger. <laughs> Tom's an idiot. <laughs> um, okay, so so one of the Tom things I learned masterful idiot. about uh, uh, Preminger is that um, he had a major sort of um, issue with writers really? as well, right? So so it was um, Vera Casper. Um, who, who, who wrote who, uh, wrote Laura? Right? Who wrote Laura? Huh? And tried to work with him, and and um, he just hated everything she was doing with the book. And and he said in numerous interviews. Now apparently, every author who ever agreed to have um, Preminger, who oftentimes pr- produced, book. turn a book into yeah. one of his films. Right. Preminger would have them sign away any sort of right to what was to be done with the book, and Preminger would, would just sort of start rewriting everything. I think that's probably smart. It's probably it's sm- like a fucking candy man to realize that everything in a book can't come across in a movie. So what are we doing? Well, not only that, but they don't they don't have the sensibilities that a director has. Right. But right. having said that, he also was not very tender about it, and he was like, "That's what selling is. If you sell me something, it's mine now." Yeah. <laughs> and so he really alienated people. Like you know, everyone knows the famous story about Ken Kesey. Who was like, um, he's never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Wow, okay. And, and when asked <laughs> right, why, right. it was like, would you pay you know, $5 to watch someone rape your wife? Right. You know, or something like that. Something, you know. And frankly, there are, there are websites dedicated to that right now. Cuckolding, my friend. Oh. It's big. Look it up. <laughs> I honestly, I'm such an innocent lamb. I was thinking there are web, many so, websites dedicated to what they've done with Ken Kesey's <laughs> one of the Ken Kesey's wife. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a sort of famous case, but but mm-hmm. Preminger did it to a lot of people, and and so this film was you know fraught with with this um, tension from the There's beginning. A shitload of drama going on back then. Uh, right. You know, my understanding is Zanuck. Yep. Um, Zanuck hated Preminger. Like, right. They, they got uh, they got along like nobody because Preminger they thought got, everyone like, was like an asshole. House on fire. Yeah. But, but I, himself. And 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 Zanuck was not a person who liked hearing that about himself from right. other people. So he uh, Preminger was brought on to be the director. Uh, Zanuck got 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 wind of that, said fuck that. Yep, made him the uh, producer. producer instead. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Preminger did everything possible to make it fucking miserable so that the director would quit. Now this is my understanding. And then he sort of and took then the he reins, just took the goddamn reins, and yep. made it his own goddamn movie. Yep. Yeah. And you have like a, a Dana Andrews, who's who's like not Dana Andrews and Gene Tierney, the beautiful Gene Tierney, oh. who are not. Like this isn't like their first film, but it's kind of their for each of them a bit kind of their breakthrough yeah, film. Definitely for tyranny, yeah. And they're they're nervous about it. Mm-hmm. And so here's this guy who's just like kind of miserable to actors, doesn't respect the studio, doesn't like the writers, and go, I'm in charge now. Right. And and thank God, by the way. Well, I'm I'm sort of jumping the gun here. Uh-huh. Let's just go back. Let's talk about what the film's about. Yeah, what is that? Or, or should we talk about how the film is about what it's about? Because another really oh interesting thing about, about Preminger, <laughs> it's one of my favorite Roger Ebert things. I don't care it's what a film's about. Robert, these are things. What? I'm trying to do Preminger. You said to do that. Oh. Um, is, cover, that's autistic Preminger, by the oh my way. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is that, is that he hated, um, he's claimed that he hated um, spontaneous, no, that he wanted to be spontaneous in filmmaking Mm. and he hated the stylized filmmaker. Mm. 
and and that he would he would take other young filmmakers to task for their approaches. Oh, so I would agree. I would. I, I think that's one of his great selling points. Is that he's not a stylized filmmaker? He's not a stylist. dude. Watching so, like Seijun Suzuki on one hand and watching Otto Preminger. Wow. Like come on, Tom. Can you bring like, in the most extreme I have, example I have ever? Ad, I have an admiration for directors yeah. who set the fucking camera down and this is what and, and film. And, and make that happen. Yeah, everyone without, does. And so without, that's, without that's why putting, Woody Allen and Clint Eastwood and, and, and a lot of these people. John are, Huston is another great example of that. Yeah. Very competent film directors. Maybe, maybe, maybe not auteurs. Certainly yeah. not auteurs, frankly, because that's almost the definition of it. But yeah. nevertheless, competent movie making. And but, Preminger but, was, the, I think, the epitome of competent movie making. He definitely was. I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with that. But, but I'm suggesting that I, I think he... Because he would then pull away from that, that sort of perspective that... Um, he wanted to take younger filmmakers to task for being stylized filmmakers, and then always say. I saw several interviews where he said, "And then people can, you know, let them examine my work and say what they will about it," which is kind of a bullshit answer because he what I, I think he he did have moments of stylization, and and none more so than Laura. Okay, Laura, okay. Laura to me is a super stylized film. Sure. Okay. It's also a very um, it, here's how stylized it is. Mm-hmm. I like it despite that there are. Moments like every seven minutes where I'm like, well, how is that fucking happening? That's not even possible. That <laughs> why that's... is that detective hanging out in fr- in that house all the time in front of that fucking picture? Why is everybody humming the theme to Laura? Like walking down the street in a club <laughs> on the radio. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I mean, there are stylized moments in there, but so basically, essentially, it's it starts um, not in the middle, but like in the first sort of third having passed. It starts. It starts. By trying to tell you that the end has already been there and the it's premise. all a flashback, and it really isn't, and it re- and that hasn't happened. All right. Okay. So we're being more confusing than than possibly watching the film. So it's yeah. essentially this: Laura is a beautiful woman mm-hmm. who has some, if not fame, at least success. Um, so she's a successful like marketing. She's like a she's like a Don Draper. She's Donna Draper. Donna Draper. Oh well. And fine. she. Ooh. Thank you. And she has been murdered. Yes. In fact, it's... We're Brutally giving, murdered with a shotgun to the face. To the old face of Rue. The Rue is gone, The kid. old shotgun Let me tell you McMuffin. something, kid. You're going to want to get a new face after gauge the shotgun. Gauge one, gauge two. That's two stamina. Owies. Okay. So, um... Zowie. Zowie. Okay. So, um... So, <laughs> Dana Andrews is this detective who, <laughs> who has had some sort of notoriety on Long Island before coming to, to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, he has, like, um, what Clifton Webb calls, like, a, a silver shin bone or something like that because he's been shot um, in a famous sort of case. Right. Um, and, you know, he, he is very classically hard-boiled or noir, right. the way he approaches Oh, them. yeah. Now, let me get facts. That doesn't yeah, square with what yeah, I he's, learned. He's like a little fucking, like a little razor blade of a man. So he's coming around, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the reason that the story is originally exposed in a bit of a flashback is that he's getting the story from the, the prime suspects. Right. It, enter, I think, first, Clifton Webb. And I have to say, Clifton Webb, a.k.a. Uh, Mr. Burns, yeah. with a sense of humor. <laughs> Clifton Webb is absolutely, in my opinion, the star of this film. Um, yeah. I mean, even more than barely closeted Vincent Price, Dana Andrews, who's very competent in his role, Gene Tierney, who's beautiful. I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to agree with you tepidly, and I'm going to do that mm. because I think everybody did a pretty goddamn good job in this movie. Everyone did a good job. But Tierney Webb and fucking just, Vincent Price was on his game. Yeah, dude. absolutely. But but Clifton Webb is yeah. just fucking he's, adorable. He's hard to... He's hard to He's oh, like that fucking... Oh. He, he's, he's, he's a cat. If Mr. Burns... He's such a good fucking cat. Had been, he's a cat. If he had been J.J. Hunsucker with like a great a better sense of humor... Mm-hmm. Right, so it's like he—it's the ridiculous. He, talk about stylization in the writing and in the where does where does he he's write from? He's almost borderline. He's like he's that effete 
sort of cad that's almost like you want him to be. He's almost gay, but he's not. He's not. He actually isn't. Hey, but probably like he probably is. Sh- like he probably should be. Yeah, you know? he'd have been much happier. He writes a, a, a national column. He has a radio show. He writes the column, of course, from his bathtub, and he has a special like swinging yeah. sort of like desk Dalton like, Trumbo <laughs> action there. Oh, it goes off. into his bathtub. He's a ridiculous, ridiculous. How do you man. not get pages wet as fuck doing that? That doesn't make that makes no sense. None at all. Okay. I, I can't even read in the bathtub. But and, it's a type. It's an arc. It's kind of a weird archetype. Uh, yeah. Of a of a of a. Uh, Go on. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 also, um, you kind of lost me there. Sorry, I, I lost my train of thought. So anyway, so he's 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 got this sort of powerful voice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he says things like, um, um, she said of me that I was the most interesting man in the world. It's the first time I ever agreed with her. <laughs> it's just sort of right. like these little snappy yeah. snappy dialogue. He pulls yeah. it off wonderfully. Yeah. He is a disaster to look at, and I don't even think the 1940s accepted. That high, he wore his pants past his nipples. Uh-huh. It was crazy, but but so so we're given to understand that he was had a deep affection for Laura, a, a love. Deep, right, well, no, because because that's the thing about his character is he doesn't look like a guy who's got love in him. No, affection is as high as it goes. Well, that's the thing. Fondness is, that, is a word he would use. But in his column and in mm-hmm. his radio show, he personifies a guy who really understands the human condition, right. and that he's kind of a fraud because he doesn't understand the no, human condition until. Total Fucking total on the spectrum. Vis-a-vis the flashback with his investigator, he talks about his first initial sort of meeting and falling in love with Laura, who yeah. awakened the, the his humanity again. Right. At least in terms of his his relationship with her. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, really, only in that relationship, as far and, as you can tell. And we see her rise in the advertising world, mm-hmm. based pr- first and primarily because of her association with him. Right. Um, but then, so she has this relationship with him that is definitely romantic on his part, not really. Yeah, but, but I have hers. to say, from her standpoint, from from her point, it's sincere. She's a she loves him she as a friend. Loves him as a friend, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even to the point where you know he 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 viciously. Um, chases away any of her suitors, and she sort of laughs at the way he's able to do it. Right, right. Except that she's really funny doing it. Yeah, he's hilarious <laughs> in the way that he fucks other guys up. <laughs> but 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 there is one suitor who she takes seriously, and that is for some reason Vincent Price. That's kind of the weird. Oh, that's the, he's the odd man out in this. Yeah, uh, as far as I could tell, because yeah, because he does. She does seem to love this guy, and yeah. there's no real reason why. He's kind of a charming cat in his own way. Yeah, but he's also a. Definitely a sponge. I mean, he has no money. Yeah. No, never. Yeah. He, like I looked for a job for, once. Joke, joke, joke. Punchline. You know, do well. Like a, like like a rich person from a Hemingway novel. Who also has older sort of cougars, rich cougars, sort of trying hanging after him, and and he'll pay them enough attention to sort of get by and get silver uh, silver cigarette cases and so forth. But right. he wants to put his attention toward Laura because she is the beautiful. She's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Jean Tierney is Jean beautiful. Tierney is one of the top, and she really comes across as as smart. And kind, but there's a part of me that feels like, is she just so beautiful that I'm convinced of me that she's smart and kind? Maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe because there's a part of her, her that melts into her into yeah. her own face a little. She's, she's got like this. She's got mm-hmm. like this knowing innocence. I don't know how else to put that. Yeah, that that just that she exudes. So, she's an exuder. That's for oh sure. Oh my god, she secretes. Oh, does she secrete? Have a secret. That's been surprised keep by it, the way. Keep it secret. Okay. <laughs> so. Ugh. So damn it. anyway, so so um, basically. Um, uh, by the way, but this by the way, this is a young Vincent Price. I mm-hmm. want to point this out. He's almost unrecognizable because he's he's young a and he doesn't have like the mustache. Yeah, and he was six foot like four or something. Yeah. So he was crazily hovering Surpr- above everyone else. Surprisingly tall. So the, it's really only worth to me unless you you have a different opinion. I'm talking about the first half of the film because the first half of the f- half of the film is trying to figure out everyone's relationship to Laura. Right. Who Laura is as a person. 
and what people thought of her mm-hmm. as Dana Andrews is trying to sort of unravel who, who did it. And in the meantime, and this is actually Preminger, I think Preminger's work, not the writer's work, a very subtly, it, it, when it's finally kind of announced by someone that this, this chief investigator, um, um, Dana Andrews, is quote unquote in love with this corpse, Laura. Uh-huh. It occurs to you that that's absolutely true, but that it hadn't occurred to you before. Yes, yeah, it's absolutely. just sort of there, and you're like, "Yes, I believe it." Right. He's in love, and kind of the, it's a metacognitive thing because mm-hmm. kind of in the same way we are with right. someone we don't know, right? Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree with you. I was kind of like, "Yeah, okay, that's right. That's that, right. That he must is. be in love with yeah. her. I believe you because he's fucking weirdly obsessed right now. He's weirdly obsessed with this mm-hmm. woman whose murder he's trying to solve, and of course, he doesn't even have the corpse because her face has been mutilated. Right. Right. So, mm-hmm. so it's um, it's really all about that that sort of tension, and and then of course the film that resolves, and and you know I don't think we're trying to be too coy here, but it, I think it's an important thing to to let some things be secret in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let this let this let this be a movie that unfolds in front of you. Absolutely. Given the mm. there's a mid there's a mid turn there's a mid movie like uh, shift. Yeah. Uh, that yeah would you know making so, somebody who wanted to watch this for the first time we would be doing it a disservice. Yeah, and it's a great. So. I mean, great set design. Oh, great. I mean, that's the stylized portion. I'm not saying yeah. that that that. Um, Preminger like shoots the, out of like a Voss angle or something, you know, camera inside the clock. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, but there is a sort of of the time of the genre that he fully capitalizes on. Yeah, well, yeah, he, and again, he's capturing that like that that glitzy New York. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> the thin man New York, basically. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and yeah. doing a beautiful job of it. I mean, that's, yeah. you cannot fault his camera work. It's, it's just not doable. Yeah, certainly in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give it a, a high recommendation. Oh fuck yeah, absolutely! It's, it's, it's sort a of great like movie. It's a classic. List, it yeah. is a classic movie. Definitely worth catching. Uh, I'm, I'm 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 sad. I've only seen it twice so far. So mm. I will watch it many more times in the future. Well, now. Yeah. We made an interesting choice. Actually, Tom made this choice, and I'm glad he did because you know we try to do this like spanning of you know our our episodes focus mm-hmm. right right. Um, and so we're talking about 1960s Exodus. Exodus movement of chap people. It's a story yeah, of Rastafarians. Palestinian Rastafarians. You got your choice, man. You got the you got a little bit of the Rastafarian. Oh boy, chick, we could go this angle. You're you're cool. So um, Exodus is <laughs> another. Now this is a book, by the another, way. Leon Eris is it Eris or Eris? Eris, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. And again, it's another another situation where where Prime Minister's like, I bought it from you. Fuck you. Now it's my <laughs> vision. And and he was incensed. And in fact, there was a huge huge conflict between Paul mm-hmm. Newman and Preminger because Paul Newman dared. To make the same suggestion, like maybe we should be more, you know, adhere to the books sort of storyline more. <laughs> and Preminger was like this little fucking blue-eyed <laughs> asshole. And then there's a great story where Newman was first of all says that he regrets doing this film. It's the only film he regrets doing. Really, and I'm curious about it because it may be that that his sort of liberal politics later on mm-hmm. made him regret. Yeah. But he regretted his ever having worked Ooh. with Preminger, and he made he had um, a dummy made up of himself and during a climbing scene mm-hmm. he disappeared behind some rocks that was on location in several spots and threw the dummy off and and um 
Preminger collapsed and had to be taken to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of fuck God, you. I hope, that, I hope that is true. <laughs> I, I read it in several by accounts. The, by the way, if there's if there's any if there was ever like uh, a movie that's based on a book that should be based more on the book than it probably is, mm-hmm. it was this one because the book the first half of the book is based on an actual event. Have you read the book? No, I haven't. Oh, okay, but I've done a little research on it. it's based on an actual event. You this, mean the boat, the freighter? Yeah, yeah. The freighter one trying to get into uh, Palestine. Yeah. So so we have we. I mean, first so of all, it's doing a great service ensemble that. cast, right? So oh, we have we yeah. have Paul Newman as the. I mean, Paul Newman actually is a quarter Jewish, I believe. Is that right? Well, that's exactly the right response. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the, okay. One of the overarching problems with this movie is how many Jews who don't look any any kind of Jewish. Salminio is is the closest, actually. Well, that and the that and the guys playing chess on the goddamn ship. Oh, well, oh the boy, extras. Chick. Yeah, you know, like the actual extras who yeah. are very Jewish. Yeah. Right, but uh, but but uh, yeah, the major the, all Karen, the, heroes, the young girl. They're Karen. all blonde hair. They're all oh. Hitler's wet dream. Yeah, that's pretty it, much crazy. I mean, even Marie Saint doesn't have to be because she. He's the American. Yeah, he's trying to understand like the Jewish problem. She's if you just will, a little, she's a little long in the tooth to be uh, a little a love interest for Paul. I'm not trying to be ageist or anything like that, but she's for that time and place. She's a little bit older than most actresses in, that I think would have been in that role. Oh, okay, yeah, but not not a well. Complaint. I mean, her just, role calls for a woman whose husband has died and she's traveling the world. So yeah, she's so like thirty years mature, old. But you know, Hollywood's never had a problem with yeah. putting in somebody young and dumb. Okay, all right. So so, so basically, I mean, the the large scale. Prim- I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of start by saying this. Um, one of the things that occurred to me during this film is how much, no matter how much I try to know, mm-hmm. how much I don't know what the real history and story is, even, even here. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems is it, it, it hurts my ability to judge parts of this film because I don't know how accurate it's being, how much propaganda it is, because there yeah. is both. Clearly. Well, well, I'll tell you this. I mean, it is historically, there's a lot of accuracy going on in there. Yeah. Like the two, like the Jewish uh, sort of paramilitary group that Paul Newman is part of, his uncle is yes. part of this terrorist group. Those, those exist. I'm talking more about the, the attitudes of those people. Right. So like Lee J. Cobb, his father, mm-hmm. who's, you know, um, uh, a Zionist, but a, like an embracing of the Palestinians. We must work together, people. A, a lot of people were like I'm that. sure. Absolutely. But again, and a lot of people who like give a fuck. Okay. So, that, so but, but what, what, what is missing from this movie yeah. and it missing, it's glaringly missing from this movie yeah. is the Palestinian, like their point of view is pretty much not taken into account well, at all. Well, except that it's it, not shown. It's, it's, and again, I don't know how generous, this, I mean, how accurate this is, uh, Having said that, of course, there are individuals that fit these these uh, roles in, sure. in, in life in history. But but you know the the rare Palestinian glimpse are just the Palestinians who happen to be very friendly with our with re- rebellious Jewish, Jewish yeah. fellows. And mm-hmm. and so it's it's really a story like post World War II, um, like forty six. Um, leading into 48, the, the establishment of the state of yeah, Israel. And Israel. So, well, the, the partition of Israel-Palestine. Palestine into the partition. Right? So, right. so so it starts in, in Cyprus, mm-hmm. um, yes. where, where there's a, a refugee camp post-World War II. Right. Jewish, Jewish refugees. Gathering, gathering the Jews in the camps, because mm-hmm. getting them into Palestine was problematic politically, because the Palestinians didn't like, were like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, the relationship also, the British are holding them there as mm-hmm. a favor, sort of, in these camps, because... Right. They have this sort of strange relationship with Palestine already, which they yeah, and they've had this whole thing about the the, the you know the creation of the Jewish state and getting yeah. Jews back into Israel. They've had it since the Puritan times, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like that's been a, that's been a British thing. So they're weirdly in the in the thing of like trying to control the situation in Palestine yeah. and pushing the UN towards creating 
the the partition. So there's this contentious relationship between those refuge, Jewish refugees right. and the British, right? And, and oh, never, before oh, they the, even phased the Palestinians, and the fact that like mo- that a lot of the British couldn't give a fuck about Jews, right? That but, comes across very clearly oh, in a lot well, of their Peter, Peter Lawford. I mean, is Peter a little Lawford, over the top oh, in this role as a sort of like you could not hmm. find a fucking British person to play Lee, Peter Lawford's character. Peter Lawford is um, like a major who's who yeah. has is attached to this camp in Cyprus, and he's always making uh, very subtle anti. Medic just not us, you mm, Throw a penny out the window, watch them make <laughs> copper wire, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, so, um, somebody dropped a quarter. Eva Marie Saint is really, she, she's there to have a point of view for us, to yeah. be our point of view, to be the outsider mm-hmm. who's saying, like, I traveled the world now that my husband said, what's happening here? And right. to have it explained to her. Right. So that's one of her roles. And so she's there and she opens up. Um, our eyes to to the um, I was going to say concentration camps. Sorry, to the to refugee camps in sure. Cyprus. Well, I mean, concentration camps are yeah, you know, in a sense. I know. I just think in this instance, it was probably yeah. not the right <laughs> phrasing. Um, but not but extermination camps. To Let's understand go there. that. So, so then, and and Paul Newman sort of comes in, and, and he mm-hmm. wants to um, sneak, um, bully. Um, cajole, uh, cajole, do whatever coax, the fuck he can. Uh, whatever, uh, six hundred Jews from the camps onto a freighter, onto a freighter that which he renames the Exodus. Right. Um, to, Movement of people to oh. head down to to the old Palestine and right. and and establish them there because if they can be established, if they get there on their own rather than British placement, it sends right. a, a huge it sends a huge message to the yeah, UN it's, it's about PR. what can happen. Right, it's a mil- yeah, it's a, it's a military guy leading basically a PR campaign. And Paul Newman, super Jew, Jesus uh, has has this sort of uh, extra conflict in his family, which is his father is very much about like he's been his father's been in Palestine. For for decades, right. wants fighting live. the good fight within the, good the fight. system. He wants, the, he, wants the, he wants to work the system to make the system. And his uncle is like, burn every Palestinian building you can find, blow shit up. Blow some shit up and make things happen. And so the brothers are are estranged from each other. Right. Uh, Paul Newman um, is it's kind of this middle ground. Yeah, a bit, right? He's a little up in the air. He gets the violence. He doesn't like the violence, but he gets it. And so the ship is where we start to meet these other minor characters who will, who will move on. So like, like his sister, well, no, we meet his sister later on, but Karen, who's, um, I guess, a survivor of the camps, who's looking for her father. Right. Now, I don't know if she ever made it to the camps. I think she was adopted out and was still looking for her father. That's the point. So she she wants to sort of remain in this fight. And, and she she's sort of like brought along into the fight as... As a result of her commitment to just finding her father, possibly well, and, in also, and also, like none of these characters are without their sort of purpose inside of the movie. Mm-hmm. Her purpose is to be the European who wants to who, who wants to get in touch with her father, yep. thus get in touch with her Jewishness and go to Israel. And so. Salminio is is the sort of the is a camp survivor. Right. And it, there's actually a kind of a tender scene where he breaks down and says, um, "They used me as a woman." Yeah, yeah. And and it's actually I think for 1960 ahead of its time in mm-hmm. terms of. Everyone in the West knew, oh, yes, of course, the gas chambers and so forth, but all the sort of gritty details that I think right. are oftentimes left out of that story. They all come out in Sal's story. In Sal's story. And he so was a Sonder commando in Auschwitz, you know, yep. which is, that's fucking... Absolutely. Yeah. A demolition expert to... A capo, essentially. Some version of a capo, right? right. Mm-hmm. So, so is a capo a capo? Uh, capo. Yeah, Cap- well, no, no, actually, Capos were like the guard, mm-hmm. were like sort of uh, sub guards. They were, they were the, they were the Jews who were put in charge of taking care of. Him. He was a yep. Sonder commando, which means he ripped the teeth out of the people. He yeah. was the one who took the bodies the gold, out, yeah. in, in the con- out of out of the gas chambers and into the. Ovens. So he's seen the worst of humanity, and he has right. all the the anger attached to that experience as a young man, and right. so he is ripe to to be uh, recruited 
yeah, by right. Newman's uncle later on as, right. as a sort of freedom fighter. Meanwhile, he's going to he blow befriend- every fucking he, thing up. Yeah, and meanwhile, he and Karen are, are, are friends yeah. because of their differences and their similarities. They, they, they bond. And they like she's each other. his humanity. Yeah. Basically, yeah. she's what's she's what's like keeping him into the human. And that's the thing about her is like you're, there's an edge to her even because she finally meets her father who's going to complete, shall we say, Auschwitz shell shock, right? Yeah, when no. when he's in Palestine, yeah. and and she she basically says it's much as our grandmother would say when anything bad happened. Oh, that that person must not be feeling well right now. <laughs> right? No, they're not on coke and and Jack Daniels. They're just not feeling well right yeah. now. But 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 the uh, the reason I mention that is like. Is it that she's just so in touch with the, the good side of humanity for everyone? Is she t- that touchstone? Or is she a touchstone for the good side of humanity that underneath is going to crumble pretty soon? Or that's a little blind. Uh, yeah. Like that, that in order to, to keep that, that good faith in humanity after the body body, yeah. you kind of got to be a little out of touch. And yeah. a little surreal. She's, she's a little non-real. She's like a little over angelic. It's not like they don't quite gel the uh, fucking uh, camera yeah. where she's in the middle of it, but they, yeah. but they come really close. She just kind of yeah. glows in a weird way. She does. She does. So, so I mean, what the film is successful to bring it back to Preminger is especially that early on to take this subject of post-World War II, um, the issue of the Israeli state, the um, conflict between... Um, Jewish refugees and their former allies and then the Jewish refugees and meeting the Palestinians mm-hmm. and the trouble that's going to come and it comes immediately immediately after the uh, after after the uh, the actual vote goes the through UN, the UN yeah, resolution boom that fucking night and the night next and so I think Preminger does a good job of, of demonstrating how sort of spread out and how common all of the conflicts are you can't turn a corner without being in a conflict with anyone right I think he's a great on location director in this yeah, one yeah he does fantastic. really well. I mean the the, the cinematography cinematography is amazing. It's not quite yeah. Lawrence of Arabia, but no. it's, but it's got qualities. It's got some of those qualities. Having said that, I have to say this movie was good. You mm. kind of almost have to say it's good for all it accomplishes. It's just not great. No, I don't but, know why. Well, so but here's the thing. Okay, it's three. What is it? Three and a half hours long. It's long. Holy fuck! But but here's the thing. It's it's Let so my movie It's competent. Go. I didn't I didn't notice the time while watching it. I did. I noticed the lack of time later on when I was like, oh fuck, my night's over, yeah. right? But at the mm-hmm. time watching it, it just it the movie seemed to flow reasonably well for me. In that sense, I think it's a really competent movie. I would go with you. I don't think it's a great movie. I, I you know what? I felt it was too long. Mm-hmm. I, I felt its length, but. Having said that, I couldn't tell you immediately what should be cut out. Okay, there you go. Right. So, so right. I mean, it, again, I have to give credit where credit's due. It's just mm-hmm. something about it. The, it's really I, two movies. Later on, when I learned that that that, for instance, um, Newman, um, let me, I want to go back to that because it sounds important. That that Newman was um, didn't like the experience. Uh-huh. It's made perfect sense to me. And it's not that his acting's bad or anyone's acting. There's bad. an edge to Newman in this movie that's that's not anywhere else in any. That of his could movies. be it, but also just feels something about it just doesn't feel like everyone loved what they were doing, mm. and I can't put my finger on it, man. I'll go with you on that. Even Mary Saint, I think, yeah. definitely definitely comes across like that. Yeah, she's gonna get some rent to pay, motherfucker. But yeah, no, it's. So. Competent movie, like I really think it's actually two movies. I think the problem 3D. with the movie is that it's two movies. Okay, right. they're, they're trying to make one out of yeah, it. That's right. So that's well, it. What are the two movies? Well, I mean, the movie, the, the first part of the movie is on, on Cyprus on the boat, getting mm. them to Palestine. Boom! Yeah. That's the that's the end of the boom, first movie. Boom! You got your first boom, movie. You got there. your first movie. Exodus part You're moving one. items off the shelves. Get some. Get some. Uh, get some. Now Exodus two. It's merch. personal. Yeah. Yeah. Exodus two. Yeah. This time it's the Jews and the Palestinians. That's right. 
Exodus 3, Andy Garcia is hired, and Sofia Coppola. God help us. No, anyways, but but that was basically, there's there's two very distinct parts to this movie, and they Mm -hmm. probably would have been better movies individually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it doesn't strike me. It's not bucket list like Laura. It's not as good as Laura. I mean, of course, it's a different film. It's worth watching. It's it's, it's definitely worth watching. And it's not a bad piece of history for what it is. No, absolutely. Even though it's only giving you, what, two, maybe two-thirds of the story. A third, maybe half to two thirds of the story is what it's giving you. It's not giving you a lot of, it. yeah. But um, but it's a pretty decent history. And for people who are like, well, what's wrong with Palestine? If you like one of your granddaughters or something like that, I'm like make them watch this fucking movie to get an idea. But see, that's that's the thing. I, I mean, having I, I feel I it, I know enough to know how much I don't know, no matter how much I try to know. And mm-hmm. and and it's it really isn't pure ignorance. I mean, I remember. <laughs> living in New York and talking to anti-Zionist Jews for the first time. And it's like, holy mm-hmm. shit. It's just like, mm-hmm. this, 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 yeah. and it's the most cliched political thing to say, like they've been, they've been fighting forever. They're, they're never going to settle that. But it seems so true. Whenever you try to investigate mm-hmm. this particular historical conflict, right. Um, that the, my point being, it's hard for me to watch this film. First of all, it's from 1960, mm-hmm. but it's somewhat modern and it's, it's trying to sort of like um, catalog this this issue right. this t- place and time post World War II and I honestly there's a part of me that feels like yes this would educate someone to understand the plight of the Jewish you know mm-hmm. tribe the culture right? right and there's another part of me it's like if I were Palestinian I would be understandably enraged at this film <laughs> I would be fucking incensed yeah, yeah so I don't know maybe right. people are enraged because us, because but. basically the Palestinians are they reflect off the Jews and that's it that's really all they do in this movie yeah Good so yeah, it's got some cool Palestinian. shiny Jews. Let me tell you. shiny, shiny. Jews. No, that that's never happened. No. All right. Um. No. Fuck. Um. Okay. So uh, decent movie. Not. Yep. Uh, I, I would agree with you. Laura is a, is a movie to watch. Laura. This is a movie to catch. Yep. I All agree. Right. Okay. So uh, an auto premature. Auto premature. Love Great. the man. Love the director. Now, do we have any business, Tommy? Do we? Oh, I don't know. Maybe we do. You know what I was thinking is um, we never really announced this. Uh, we should, first of all, I don't have anything prepared, but we should talk about other classic film or film podcasts that we love. So sure. we'll do that next time. Mm-hmm. Um, we never really mentioned that Finley's on film at gmail.com is our email. I mean, people are obviously finding it. Remember Anthony, who hated our show? Oh, yeah, I remember him. I wonder if he's still listening. No, I think he probably is. I think, um, I think he's closer than you might imagine. That's true. Joseph. So, um, but you can email us at Finley's on film, one word, at gmail.com and yeah. ask us questions. You can make suggestions. Make suggestions. Absolutely. Please make suggestions. Suggestions. We so love to that. hear your dumb suggestions. <laughs> Rate and review us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And of course, I would say before you get your own plug in, Tom, which is really important because Tom's a, an outstanding stand up comic. Um, that um, it would be really helpful if you supported us on Patreon. Yeah. Now, Patreon, we are offering to Patreon subscribers of the $5 variety per mm-hmm. month. Finley's Fine Reserve. Which is two additional two. episodes not available to the general public who listens for free, like cheapskates. Per month. That's you. Yeah. So Unless you're the five, in which case we apologize for and slandering. And we, oh yes, okay. Yes. <laughs> so we have lots, we're, we're really getting a stockpile of secret episodes yep. that are not heard by enough people because you need to subscribe. Yep, please do, please do. Right. Please join us. Now, uh, also, uh, check, check out my website, uh, oh, tomsmithcomedy.com, yeah. mm-hmm. to keep in touch with all my shenanigans. Okay, buddy. Shalom. I love you, man. Shalom. Shalom, shall I? <laughs>